We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the hills of Strawberry Canyon, I'm Coin Dang, and this is the Golden Bear Cast. Let's go, go Bears! What is up, Cal fans? We are back with another episode of the California Golden Bear Cast, a proud partner of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am your co-host, officially back from the campsite. And from stealing the Wi-Fi from a restaurant to watch the game on Saturday night alongside me, Rob, who was doing the tweeting from Sebastopol. I wasn't with... the one doing the tweeting. Oh, what? Really? Yeah. Um, I was uh, I was not doing the tweeting. Were that you was... drinking? That was Peter. Peter was doing the tweeting for me. I wasn't sure about the uh, internet connection status up there in Sebastopol, so uh, I asked Peter to cover for me, and he graciously did, and he did not enjoy himself, so I owe him... <laughs> A nice beer when he flies in uh, to Berkeley this Wait, week. This is what I do every home game. Where's the love? Right. Do I get a I, beer? <laughs> well, you're not cov- you're not covering for me. You want to be up in the box. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair. That's fair. It does come with a delicious cookie. I guess it's worth it. It's just a cookie that's delicious. Nothing else is good. I did re- reply to Peter though, so that's fun. I didn't know that it was not you. But I digress. <laughs> We're not here to talk about that. We are here to talk about. The one, the only, Cal Football 2021, baby. One and three. Oh, Here we are. I mean, I where was... are we? Where are we? Good question. What? I mean, once again, <laughs> on an alternate timeline, Cal's three and one. We're feeling great. It's just that somewhere, Loki effed all this up, and we got put on this other timeline, and... Now we're one and three. Do you think anyone out there gets these jokes? No, no I, I, no, <laughs> I think, I think our demographic is slightly nerdy enough, and and nerdy <laughs> like you know comic book stuff has now become pretty mainstream. So I think, I think we're in the clear. All right, holla at me, Marvel fans. Okay, give me your thoughts. Just like, I, actually, let me let me ask you a couple of questions here. I want to understand your immediate reaction. So I kind of want right after the game finish. Then I want your 
12 hour reaction and then your 24 hour reaction. So that would be, you know, Sunday and then today. Today. Immediate reaction afterwards was not a bad loss. And for, and I was thinking for Washington fans too, not a great win for Washington fans. It it's it left a bad taste in both fan bases. Um, that was my immediate reaction, you know. And I had a buddy of mine who was there in Sebastopol with us, like watching, and who's a UW fan. Uh, and he was like, "It was such an anticlimactic way for the game to end." And I was like, "Yeah, like on a fumble in overtime, like on the goal line, it's probably a pretty anticlimactic way to, considering how the game had had gone so far." So that was my immediate reaction. Um, let's go through the timeline. What was your immediate reaction? Hmm. I I think my reaction was very similar. It was just kind of, eh. I mean, I have to be one of the biggest Damien Moore self-proclaimed mm-hmm. Damien Moore fans. I'm sure there's bigger ones out there, but the biggest self-proclaimed. The biggest one you know of. The biggest one you know of is yourself. So me, myself and Nam. And so I, I don't know. I think my, my initial reaction was just, I felt defeated just like the team probably in the sense of we lost. I was not mad at the journey, not mad at the adventure that got me there. Just more like, well, shit, it's time to go back to the campsite. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and I think we haven't had those games, really. Like, Nevada was like, I was like questioning why I do all that I do for Cal football. So that was way worse. Yeah. Then TCU, I sort of was like, this is the epitome of Cal football in, you know, in a nutshell. Sac State, whatever, to throw away because we did what we were supposed to do. And then this one sort of feels like the first one where I walked away from it and was like, that's football. Mm -hmm. And you win some of those games, you lose some of those games. And I, I still do not, you know, three days later, do not understand the perspective that some folks have in expecting Cal to win a hundred percent of those games. And, uh, I don't know if I will, and I'm okay with that. I've made my I've made my bed with it, but I I don't want to get into that right now, because I will later. We definitely will later. That was my initial, okay. and then I think as it's progressed. So let me give you my twelve hour. My twelve hour, I, I kind of revisited it with a really healthy mindset because I was off the grid, no text, no Twitter, no nothing. Right, mm-hmm. so the game ends, I'm done, like just completely off the grid, and so I had a chance to kind of revisit it in my mind. And I remember I was at the campfire with my buddy, also Cal, you know, what's Cal with me, and we're just running through and I'm just running through certain game situations, which was, you know, uh, the, my, the Kakoa Crawford wide open, <laughs> wide yeah. open at the end zone play, uh, Damian Moore on the, uh, you know, when we ran play action instead of what I thought was a, a really good opportunity to run it to the left and it looked like he had daylight in front of him. And then, uh, the Damian Moore play on fourth and two on the outside where you throw it to him one-on-one and, you know, uh, and then thinking about how we progressed in overtime, I thought a lot about the Tattersall play where, you know, he kind of, he, he took a really bad angle and over pursued. And then it was like arm tackle, arm tackle, arm tackle, all that got, you know, uh, yep. broken through and sort of set that up. And then you go to the, 
you know, the run play where to me it, it looked like he was down short and, but because of the call on the field, they were never going to reverse it. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I just still was pissed that, that I think, I think like, look, if you're going to call it a touchdown, you call it in the first three seconds, but you, what you don't do is that like, I, I've seen it before where they do the delay and then, Oh yeah, it's in. But it's like, it is weird because there was never a point like to me, there was never a point where it was clear from that angle that he made it across the line. So as that ref is running in, I was like, why, what changed? The only thing that possibly would have changed would have been his, after the knee was down, there was an additional push, but it sort of seemed like the knee was down already. So like I, uh, I struggled to comprehend that call, but at the end of the day, I felt in an odd way redeemed because I had can, I had been saying that this team, we needed to see four games for this team and not just the team. And like, thank goodness we did, right? Because the first game we were, everyone wanted to torch the offense in Musgrave and it was too complex and it was NFL ideas that weren't going to translate to college football and Garbers was never going to be the starter and never going to be, you know, a long-term, you know, the, the right solution for us, a quarterback. And the fact that, Garbers has been a quarterback all of the Wilcox era, blah, 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 right? The whole thing. O-line was questionable, but like every single plot line, storyline you could have on the offensive side of the ball, we were there in, in week one. And now we're here four games in and we're like, holy shit, the offense is like the best it's ever been under Wilcox. Mm-hmm. Hands down. Like this is the best Easily. offense we've had since Goff was a quarterback at Cal. Yeah. Chase Garbers so, is the leading offensive producer in the conference in terms of yards per game. Yeah. Beast. Passing and like, running. Yeah. So this is why you wait. And this is what everyone's going to be pissed. I mean, I think some people aren't going to like this, but this is why you wait another four games. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you get the defense fixed in another four games. It right. could. Right. And that was the intrigue that you had. I remember this after the, what is it? The Nevada game? Or was it the TCU game where you said, that you're intrigued to see how this team progresses because Wilcox's teams have usually started off fast, right? We've started off three and zero, you know, even five and zero in 2018, and it was there were fast starts and we were winning games off the bat, but it tapered off and it started to plateau and maybe dip a little bit in form towards the middle and the grind of the Pac-12 season versus this season where we lost a few games early. Didn't it look like we we're going to get back on track? But then things started to start to click again, right? You, you know, um, and I guess I guess we're past the whole timeline thing because we're going to start talking about the game. I'm not even going to go over some of the stats or anything like that because we're just going to talk about the game as a whole um, and some of the little nitty uh, details. We do have some comments from listeners, so we'll use that as like a, a platform to, to drive our conversation a bit forward. Um, but I think that's I think what your take there from a few weeks back was was spot on. Because, look, everyone was upset at the offense. No one's upset at the offense now. Some people might still be mad at Chase and some of his decision-making, but you're also giving Chase the freedom to make some of those plays and not having him second-guess himself. Mm -hmm. I don't mind those interceptions. That first interception to Kyler Gordon was an exceptional play by Kyler Gordon, right? I don't... Like, I don't, I wish he had thrown the ball maybe a little bit higher and a little bit more outside, but a toe tap interception, full extension, 
that's you got to tip the cap to the defensive back. Like that wasn't an that wasn't an easy catch to make by any means. Um, and he made an incredible play, probably a Sports Center top ten play easily. I didn't check Saturday night if it was in there, but I think it should have been. Um, so outside of that one, I mean, the other one, I think it was that was that was on Chase for sure. But other than the decision making, maybe some of those like you know five yard like flat throws that he's just been unable to make and he throws it into the dirt and maybe he's afraid of throwing it like in a pick six because that's a pick sixable route right if you're throwing the flat and a guy jumps the route like there's no one else in front of him it's just green grass so it's outside of that like he's been playing pretty pretty good you know he's the total offensive leader production leader in the conference as i've already said um, in terms of the yards he produces per game via his arm and on the ground. And, like, that's kind of what we've been asking for. Like, the, the Kakoa overthrow, right? One of the biggest, like, qualms that people had with Chase was that he couldn't throw the deep ball. They were like, ah, he doesn't have the arm. He can't throw it deep. But, like, he's been throwing it deep this season, and then now you're upset at him because he overshot the guy? Like, I'm like... You can't have it both ways. Like, what are you? Are you saying that he doesn't have the arm to make the throw? Or are you saying that he does and he just overshot Kikoa on that one? Because if he doesn't have the arm, he can't even. You, if you don't have the arm, how are you supposed to overshoot a wide receiver like that? Um, he saw it. He made the throw. He probably thought Kikoa had a little bit more burst in him to get there, and misjudged his speed on it. But I mean, all in all, he made the right read. He made the right throw. It was just slightly overthrown. Um. It was I was devastated. Yeah. I think most people were. I I I love the perspective that you gave because it's important and good to acknowledge, but you just got to make the throw. You do. That you, that totally, one yes. Yeah, absolutely. You can't have, you know, both of those guys are beat over the top. So there's really a very wide margin for error. In the sense that you basically just got to get the ball there. I mean, worst case scenario, you put it a little short, and yet those guys are coming on their back feet, like going backwards, and Kokoa's coming forwards on the jump ball. And I still like your chances on that. And that's your worst case scenario, uh, besides putting it kind of where Chase did, which is like way too long. So you kind of got to make that. You got to make that play, and that's that's I think the thing that is the story of this game is there's there, there was, there's been in in a little bit of the story from the season. There's just been a little bit too much of these plays, especially when you're on the road where you just got to make, you just got to have it. And that's what, that's the difference between the win and the loss. And what I, what I also want to touch on too, is what you said earlier in Garbers with the interceptions. I'm totally okay with he throws two picks every single game. I don't care at all because I think you're getting three to four touchdowns with it. Yep. And if you guys are upset about that, then go see Davis Webb stats from <laughs> when he played the, the, the thing that is different there is, is Wilcox too is probably more okay with it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, despite his angry press conference, <laughs> um, you know, I, I think he would say he probably would take that chase performance in in a vacuum and say that probably gives us more than a chance to win the game which it even did with two picks which it did oh, it, it definitely absolutely did. did right it came down to 
it came down to a missed field goal off of I don't know. I I, I don't I'm not gonna make that judgment call on whether it was a bad snap or if it was a bad hold. I think it could have been held decently well. Uh but the snap was a little low. So who knows on that, right? Are we talking about our all star Slater Zellers? Mm-hmm. Come on. It's always a bad hold with him if snapping the ball. <laughs> So I don't know. I, I I can't. I don't. I don't know the intricacies of of long snapping to be able to tell you if that was a good bad snap or a good snap or a bad hold or a good hold. Yeah. Um. And then the second one was the fifty-five yard field goal attempt. Oh, so beautiful. Which was beautiful. I said that on Twitter today too. It looked so good. It, it looks. Looked, it looked perfect. It was perfect. And it was. Like I grabbed maybe my was, buddy, like literally by the collar. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) As it's in the air. As it's in the air. Because you see it flying between the uprights. And you're like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. He got it. He got it. He got it. And the camera (laughs) angle just doesn't show you like. And that. Okay. Can I also rant a little bit about that, about the Pac-12 network? Do you not have another angle to show that kick? Like, why do you keep showing the same replay of the kick from behind the kicker? Is there no guy be underneath the, the field goal upright to, like, show you that how short it was? Dude, I feel like you could tangent on the Pac-12 network and all their <laughs> dumb angles. Dude, they didn't have the right angle for the freaking touchdown play that ended up deciding the game. They right. just they didn't have it. And it was like so frustrating to me that in the, in this day and age where Josh is the freaking dude that is literally setting up cameras at AT&T Park. Like we know, or Oracle Park, whatever the hell it's called now. Like, we know the technology exists. One of our writers uses it all the time. <laughs> like, you can get nine angles on a base, but you can't get four on a freaking, like... End zone. End zone? I don't understand. Like, why is there not a pylon angle? It just, it doesn't... I, I'm stunned that that's allowed in college football. And I think that... Play to, look, it doesn't. That's the thing. That's where I arrived. Was like, it doesn't matter if he scores a touchdown. It doesn't matter if we're gonna fumble the ball. We're gonna lose the game, right? The only possible way is if they went for they went for it on fourth down and we stop them and then we fumble. So like, really, the end result is the same regardless. But it's still frustrating to me. <laughs> uh, yet I don't think it would have been any different of an outcome. <sighs> but. Uh, Yes. Back to the kick. Kick was great. The big part of that, outside of what I thought, Will, I thought Wilcox played that super well. Mm-hmm. I know some people are like, what was he doing the clock? I thought he played that really well because all, I mean, and and now I, under, at first I was like, what? First of all, all right, let's go back. <laughs> How the hell was Jimmy Lake not penalized for coming that far out on the field? Yeah. No, Am no, I, I agree. I, I, dude, Sean McVay employs a guy that holds him back to be on the sideline. Is are the rules different in college football? He was literally as far as the quarterback on the field. I, I, well, I think the issue with that was it was during a timeout, so you're kind of allowed like a little space to talk to your players. Like it was during the review, right? It wasn't like in the in the field of play or like as the clock was running. So I think maybe that might be why he was allowed to be on the field. But your point still stands. I totally agree. That was during the review of the Garbers play. It was either during the but but I, it was either the review of the Garbers play or whatever it was. But it was at it was at the there was a stoppage in play. 
right? It wasn't like yeah. we had gotten a first down and we were running up like we were in the huddle and he didn't step out on the field then. It was like the it was a timeout. The refs were looking at something. Both teams were on each other's sidelines. Like he was talking to the ref. But anyways, continue. The refs trying to fix the clock. I, I just remember I was, I was shocked. And, you know, that's what we needed. We needed a little USC magic. We did. <laughs> you know, we just needed that. And that would have been huge. But it's just such a weird situation in that, like, you have an offensive lineman face mask. Like, what the hell? <laughs> like, how often are you going to see that called? I, that's the first time I've ever, I've ever seen it called. And, and that, I think that play really messed up the rhythm because our two-minute drill, unlike against Nevada was super good in the first half. So there was a lot of optimism there. And then you get Damian Moore who does his thing. And then Garbers hits maybe Crawford over the middle or Hunter does whoever it was. And all of a sudden Cal's driving. And I felt like there were a couple of key moments here. One was the play after they converted. And now it was like, Oh my gosh, Cal's going to be able to make a run at this thing. We hit Jeremiah Hunter on what I think was maybe a curl. And he then bounced it to the outside to get out of bounds. Yep. But Cal had three timeouts at the time. Exactly. And the thing that I would have been saying that in that huddle is if you catch the ball, don't go out of bounds. Get yards. Yeah, go down. Get upfield. Yeah. And like either, yeah, either go down, but I would say get upfield because we're going to call timeout anyways. And the defense isn't going to expect that either. They're going to expect you to bounce it out. Right. So that was a really big, you know, one of those, uh, he's a younger player type of type of thing. And then, um, well, that cost us. Cause yeah, I mean, those he were the th- we also didn't use that one timeout early. I felt like we could have saved two for when we pushed maybe into their 50 or like around our 45, you know, but we could have used one in our own half, right? We could have saved some clock time. Um, to do that, because because uh, remember the clock also stops at college football whenever you get 100%. a first down, right? It restarts when the ball is placed, but you can walk up with the ref, and as soon as they place it, you could already have your play call done by that point. So you're not really losing time. So I feel like we could have maybe used a timeout earlier, but he decided not to. In hindsight, like they played it perfectly. The only the only thing is, as you're talking about. Maybe if we had gotten a few more yards, maybe that field goal goes in. Yeah. Right. And that and, and that's the only what if scenario about that drive. Otherwise, that drive was played pretty much to perfection. Yeah, and I think a lot of people that are talking about the early clock management are saying, "No, why would you let the clock run down that much?" Well, do you really want to give Washington right. the ball? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I at that point, Washington Jimmy Lake's over there thinking, "Oh, I'm about to get the ball back." I'm gonna get the ball back with 40 seconds left. I mean, this this that scenario played out exactly last night in Sunday Night Football. Yes, it did. <laughs> right? Yep. He gave Aaron Rodgers 37 seconds on the clock, and he marched down the field, gave Mason Crosby a decent kick distance, and knocked it through, and they won the game. Niners secondary and Cal secondary played about exact identical in right. those two games. But the clock management <laughs> is exactly how it was played, right? Like use check. I honestly believe Usechek on that touchdown play at the 37 minute mark, he he gets hit right on like the two yard line. He should have just gone down. He should have gone down. 
Dude, don't that, get me started. I was arguing with people <laughs> all last night on Twitter about this. I I do not think in it. Okay, this is not a Niners podcast, <laughs> but it is Aaron Rodgers. All I'm going to say is that it's great in theory that you can go down, but the assumption that you're going to score is a false one. And and then what I would say is the difference there. So you, I would look at the win probability between not scoring and scoring versus the win probability of 30 second, 30 set 40 seconds left on the clock mm-hmm. versus 30. And like, which one makes up the bigger gap? And I would bet that you take the points and you don't play soft, 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 soft defense against Aaron. Look, the first one was an amazing Aaron Rodgers throw. Yeah. The second one was literally, <laughs> we went solo on the outside. Like, that was on D'Amico Ryans. What a stupid play call that was. Are you serious? You're going to let Devontae Adams, concuss Devontae Adams of all people, be on the outside, ISO? Like, ridiculous. <laughs> and then there's no safety help. I mean, it's just absurd. But, like, also, I just was like, oh, wow. Like, this is, the Niners are playing a collegiate level of football right now. <laughs> It was just, I think, like a collective sigh and like hold your breath moment went out as soon as the Niners scored and there was 37 seconds left on the clock and the camera panned to Aaron Rodgers. And you're like, "Uh, it's happening again. It's happening again. But But we need to digress. We digressed. Um, He's elite. It's awesome. He's so fun to watch. My God. My God. Remember, remember this. uh, So tie this all back full circle. Remember, remember what like Aaron Rodgers was saying after their first week loss against New Orleans. Yeah. He's like, it was a fluke loss. It was a surprise loss. It like happened. We're past it. And then after this game on Saturday night, he's like, this is the team that I was talking about. Like, this is the team that we have to be able to win these types of games. That the first game week one was a fluke. It's come full circle in in that sense with Cal too. Like, I, I feel so vindicated after everything I saw in fall camp and that I reported on. Like, just. <laughs> The off- I was like, the offense is going to be great. Like, it's going to be good. It's not going to be crap. It's not going to be turtling. It's not going to be the Toyota Tercel. Like, it's not going to do that. And then after game one, everyone's like, you were wrong. <laughs> the offense sucks. Everyone was like, what? I remember that. Like, <laughs> what were the people that were watching fall camp doing? <laughs> uh, now four weeks into the season, we have arguably one of the best offenses in the conference. And that's... So let's talk about the overall implication of this game, which is Cal moves to one and three, own one in conference, and what the path towards bowl eligibility. Gotta go five and three in the rest of the eight games. Okay, like so you look at Washington State, Colorado, and Arizona, and you probably have your three. And then you have to win two between Stanford, USC, UCLA, and Oregon State. It's doable. Dude, it's doable. It's there. And yeah, like Oregon State looked good against USC, but I've been saying this. USC is trash. (laughs) Like to anyone that will listen, they replaced their head coach in the second week of the season to a DB coach. Like that is the opposite direction of the identity of their football team. USC is not a team that we need to be afraid of this year. And until they beat us, I will keep saying that. Uh, and then what we're now all scared of Stanford because they played UCLA close. 
Are we serious? Stanford, <laughs> we were perfectly matched up to play Stanford football. A hundred percent. Our team has a great O-line. We have a ton of time. We are literally the the mere identity of what what David Shaw has tried to and our, has and built. And our run defense is actually good this year. That's the thing. Our DBs might not be as good, but their wide receivers aren't that great this year either. Yeah, we match up well. I So, and then there's this crowd. Okay, then there's this crowd. The ones that are saying that, okay, it's year five of Wilcox. We should be way better. And we, you know, that we should be beyond where we are now and shouldn't be in these games. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And I just, I don't buy it. One, because you, every single person in this offseason said, what do you need to do? We need to fix the offense. Okay. We might have had a little bit of also fix the, spe- fix the special teams. <laughs> but none of us wanted to see Regal go because he's big in the recruiting front and in general has been a pretty good coach. So you focus on the offense. You go out and what do we get? We fix the offense. Okay, great. So now we have fixed the offense. As you said, we have to wait for Wilcox to do what he does best, which is get hands-on with the defense and turn this defense back in, into the you know our expectation of what it can be. But there is no nothing that I have besides optimism as, for, as in regards to where this team would be going you know, in a year from now. Especially when you think about the players that you highlighted in our preview pod when we interviewed you and we're like, none of them have really seen the field, right? We're like, Jeremiah Hunter is starting to break out now. Okay, dude, like, uh, would I want to switch up a system on Jeremiah Hunter? Absolutely not. Uh, Latu, we haven't seen yet. Jermaine Terry, we haven't seen yet. Akili Calhoun, we haven't seen yet. Like, uh, on the defensive side of the ball, like, there, and then we're also missing, oh, by the way, our best defensive lineman, Brett Johnson, who literally occupies two offensive linemen per down, or like, t- sell me on why I shouldn't buy into this team long term. I don't get it. Like, what what am I missing here? Like, is it should we be uh, competing for a national championship or for a Pac-12 championship? Is that the expectation of Cal football, or is our expectation be bowl eligible every single year? Which is going to be hard to do this year. Could be harder, yes. But be in contention for bowl eligible. Like, be, I mean, it's not contention. It's the goal is to be bowl eligible 
no matter what. Yeah, every season. season. Yep. But if we look at Utah, who we've eyed for so I've eyed. Maybe it's just me. I've looked at Utah and said, why can't we just do that? Do that. Recruiting wise, it, 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 we should absolutely be able to do what Utah does. Right? They have ups, they have downs, but the up years are dope. Right? Their up years are really good. And then they have middling years, like a year like this year. Or we looked at TCU earlier and it was like, they had a four and eight season and they had a five and six. Like they had bad seasons and then they went 11 and two and then they went 10 and three. So this idea that somehow also like we're counting 2020 again, which I still don't think we should do. Nope. So technically this is year four, but this idea that somehow we should be competing at this higher level than what we've seen. Why? I just don't get it. Like, I know we're capable of it. And that's what should frustrate people. And maybe it is that we just can't get to that next level because we have the talent and we have the coaching ability to get there. But if you have the coaching ability to get there, there's absolutely zero reason to make a change, which would restart all of it. And holy hell, Lord forbid you hire Mark Fox and you are now the bottom dweller of the conference with literally no hope towards getting out of it. Which is <laughs> where our basketball team is. Sorry, Mark Fox, but that's the reality of it. We could also blame Viking Jones. That's fine. Both of them are totally <laughs> responsible for the disaster that is. So, Rob, there's my soapbox. <laughs> Can you provide some color here? Yeah. Where am I wrong? Is any of it right? Where where do you land on the spectrum? So here's a tweet I put out yesterday, right? I believe yesterday. Did I put this yesterday? I did put it out yesterday. This, this, I'm going to read you word for word, right? People will be clamoring for Wilcox to be fired, huh? So two questions to those that do. One, is a realistic non-retread upgrade hire available out there? And two, do you believe that current AD, Jim Nolan, can make the hire? His first hire in a revenue uh, sport at Cal was Mark Fox via search firm. <laughs> like that, I just need to, I need to give you that example, right? There's there's no bias in that second sentence. <laughs> and and like here's here's some of the answers I got, right? Like um, one of the right for Cal guys, Eric wrote, uh, I think your first question is the most important one, but I think there's also a question of institutional support. It impacts both who you can hire and how well they'll do once you've hired them. For whatever it's worth, I think the higher the Fox hire, both the lack of ambition and the lack of subsequent success, is a direct consequence of a lack of institutional support. The will slash lack of resource, the will slash resources to level up the program just aren't there right now. Kai responded by saying, "Is the will dependent on the resources, or can it be used in blind faith in hopes it would create resource?" Uh, I get fear in swing and miss hires, but what's the alternative? Placating on de uh, detracting fan bases with middle of the road hires obviously isn't working. Eric responds, I think you have if you have the will, you can find and find or create the resources, set expectations around what are acceptable outcomes and what are not. Obviously, this needs to be grounded in what's possible, but I think the excellence is still possible at Cal. Some of the other answers I've gotten uh, will most power five schools with ambitions in football would have Wilcox on the hot seat by now. No winning conference seasons, and we are headed maybe to worst season in five years. But like you said, the the Fox the Fox hire in basketball scares me. We could do even worse. So whatever's just stay the course. 
Um, others, um, Paul Degato on Twitter. I think Wilcox is good, but he has to surround himself with average coaches. D scheme is decent except of DBs. O has moments. Situational play calling is horrible with Musgrave. Wilcox won't get top recruits, so bad coaching with average players equals Cal football. Um, there's a, let's see, another one. This guy named Beat Wazoo at California Night Owl. We struck gold with Tedford in the early 2000s, and people think we can do it again. I don't think it's possible. Cal is who Cal is. So, to your point, I th- I think you're right. I think um, it's just a matter of your vantage point and what your expectation for the program is. And we talked about this for like 30 minutes two weeks ago. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. like the exact same conversation we're having again. And... Like this whole thing about that, people missing GA and this this weird like ivory tower we've built with GA's tenure here at Cal. <laughs> um, he was an amazing tweeter, Rob. Amazing uh, Twitter presence. <laughs> it's so crazy. I saw someone put out a tweet about like how he should be a dark horse for the SC job and how he was a, a an amazing recruiter here out on the West Coast and a great leader and a great coach. And I was like, mm, most of those are right, but amazing recruiter on the West Coast. Not too sure about that one. But anyways, I digress. Um we're glorifying our ex-girlfriend. That's what we're doing. Much. That's it. We're going back into a relationship that ended, and we're only remembering the things that went well. And we're just saying Oh my goodness. It doesn't have to be girlfriend, girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever, right? Whoever. Whatever floats your boat. And wow, that significant other was amazing. We should have never left them, (laughs) right? There are all of these qualities and traits that were so good. If only we could do it again. But then you're forgetting all of the other stuff that went along with it. And it's not that that really that baggage isn't the same with like GA because he's, he's great coach. Seems like great leader, great person, you know, like, He's he's pretty much like a, a full character guy, which is like who Wilcox hires. But we're also not giving much credence to the person that went out and found him and took a <laughs> shot on him in the first place and has also put together whoever is saying that we Wilcox has put mediocre coaches around him. I disagree. The, like Greatwood was an incredible O-line coach, right. legendary O-line coach. He wanted to retire. And, What's That's not his fault. And we have Angus McClure following up who looks – the O-line looks great this year. Great this year. And you also add in you know, some of the best recruiters we've ever had, ever. Uh, and since the Tosh days that people were clamoring about and that we can't recruit. Dude, are you guys not watching Jeremiah Hunter play football? Are you guys not watching Justin Baker or Damian Moore play football right now? Like what just what just tell me. What am I missing here? Those guys are super talented. And we're not even playing Jermaine Terry. <laughs> <laughs> like there's there's talent in this program and the talent level I think is higher than we've had it. You know what? So and, and you can't argue the recruiting sites will tell you that third, what, third in the Pac-12 last yep. year, third best recruiting class in the Pac-12. It's going to take three years for us to materialize that two years. We're early on our returns on the one before that. And now we have the class coming up. We have J. Mike coming up. We're going to have J. Michael Sturdivant and Jeremiah Hunter on the same team at the same time. 
with a quarterback that Bill Musgrave, who has put together the 35th best offense in college football as of right now, handpicked to be his guy. And then you're going to throw in a four-star tight end in Jermaine Terry, a what will then be a junior or senior running back in Damian Moore, who, if he's, you know, knock on wood, if he's healthy, is going to be the by far the best running back we've had in the last decade for Cal football. And then an O-line that has studs all across the board. Well, for the most part. They're improving. At the very least. Improving. At the very least, they're improving. What am I missing? <laughs> I don't I just don't get it. We have arguably the best front seven recruiting class over the last two seasons that like this past season and then this upcoming recruiting class, right? All the defense on the D line and the linebacking core, right? Like that we that we've brought in. Arguably right. the best defensive classes we've brought in over the last couple of years. And the D line is the thing. Like if you can we're miss we're missing Brett Johnson so bad mm-hmm. right now. And Bimage, the Bimage last game, that was so he was dude, Bimage looked like a monster out there. <laughs> it was crazy. And uh um, former four star guy too. Right. And I think that this defense it will get there. I start, you know, Colin Gamble played much better. Uh, Lou, Lou Hearns is for, you know, still getting minutes out there as true freshman is still playing well. We're not perfect. There's a lot of frustration on third down. There's a, still a lot of covered situations that aren't great. You sort of look at that area and you're like, look, there's obvious frustration with Wilcox and Trey Watson, period. That's it. There's obvious in Marcel Yates. Looks like that was a bigger loss than maybe we knew it was a loss, but we thought it'd be a bigger recruiting loss. But right now it looks like a little bit of a bigger gap uh, in coaching, as we can tell. I don't know, with 2020. I, I just... Um, I mean, so so here's my thing, right? Is um, I guess we're talking about the defense. We'll talk about the defense. We'll talk about the DBs. So... The biggest thing is that people are saying like, oh, you know, they're not great. Like they haven't improved. Like they haven't gotten better. All right. Um, let's let's break this down timeline wise a little bit. All right. Break it down to you, Andy. All right. When GA and Co came in and he, they took over the takers um, or and created the takers. Right. Who were the stalwarts of that takers defense? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, at that time, when they first took over? Like, when they took over like, and then, like, leading into, like, 2018, right, which was, like, the best year. Like, who who were those guys? I, I mean, it's, well, it's Cam Bynum. Kanasich. Well, I mean, are you saying DBs? Yeah, yeah. So, it's, it, was, it was Cam Bynum. Bynum. It was Jalen Hawkins. It was maybe a little... Davis. Yeah, Ashton Davis, who was a surprise pick to, to be the starting safety. Um, and Hicks. And Drayden. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Those are the guys, right? 
were any of them recruited by Wilcox and Co? No. Not a single one from the previous regime, right? And GA coached them up. We got to give him, We got, yeah, of course we're giving him his due diligence, right? He like, and, and credit. He coached them up like no other, right? Then GA left. Two of those guys are still on the roster, right? Which are uh, Elijah Hicks and Drayden. Some of the other guys that are currently playing, Daniel Scott, Chiggy, those guys were coached by GA, whether it be a year or two years or three years. The currently the the biggest mistakes we're seeing are from a lot of the older guys. We're we were bound to see mistakes with the younger guys, right? Um, uh, and we're seeing that you know with Colin Gamble with Lou Hearns. The question I have is. If it was all rosy and everything was going great, uh, I said rosy. Um, where's the middle? Where's the two, three years that GA was recruiting and building up talent with? Because Gamble's a guy we brought in last year. Lou Hearns is a guy we brought in this past year. Like, where is the other two, three years worth of DB stockpiled talent that he that we've coached up? Because we've we've clearly skipped over all of them. Chiggy, right? I mean, Chig, that, that's what I mean. Chiggy's the only guy, but he's buried. He's lost his starting spot too. He played. He had a good play. Well, I mean, no, play. I'm not saying he's not playing. Like he's playing, but remember, like he was the starter going into the season, and he lost that position. Um, the thing is, he's on that so rotation. Here's where. I, yeah, I mean, here's where I land on this one. I think, if, and I think I've had an evolving opinion on this. So. The recruiting point stands and I think is there's no argument to be made around it. But I also think you can in some ways use GA's success with the past regime saying, we just missed his coach. Dude, I think that guy's an excellent coach. Right. An excellent coach. No, I coach. totally agree. Film, like prep, game prep. Yeah. Like, Look at the Dolphins d- defensive backs last second. year in yeah. 2020. Absolutely stunning. Do you see that one tweet that was going around about like the be- what beautiful defense looks yeah. like? And it was like the yeah. Dolphins secondary. Yeah. The so I think that that's they we do miss that right, and that's the thing of GA that we miss the most. And people make it out like GA is gonna come like being a college defensive coordinator is somehow a step up from being a like literally passing game attack or passing game defensive coordinator or whatever it is and db coach in the nfl like no dude the nfl do you say the same thing about the minor leagues better be a bench coach in the minor leagues than it is to be a hitting coach in the majors i don't know i don't think so (laughs) but uh you know i i think that he he was an excellent He's an excellent coach and that those guys miss having the way he saw the game and that Cam Bynum and Elijah Hicks, when he was gone, were, you know, we got all of those articles about them and sure. how they were still basically taking all of that he taught them and using it on their own. Sure. 
And so, and I think those points are absolutely valid. But the reason I brought up that timeline was to come come back to now. Because remember, when we when we had when this staff first came in, how long did we give that staff really to did we have any real expectations for the defense and how well it would progress? We kind of didn't. But we were gonna give them two, three years, right? To to kind of put it together. It just so happened the following in year two, it like the the DBs exploded. So so now let's come to now. Justin Wilcox was coaching the DBs just this January. We didn't have a DBs coach. <laughs> and then we brought in Trey Watson, who is now the DBs coach. You've got to give him the same amount of time to develop some of the younger guys. At least a full real offseason. Right? Like, everyone seems to be looking at Watson. They're like, ah, that's the reason. Or like, we're missing GA. I was like... GA came from Boise State. Like, we didn't know what we were getting. We brought Trey Watson in from UNLV. We still don't know what we're getting. Like, every, he deserves he deserves at least a year and a half to develop some of these younger guys into guys that could play in the Pac-12. It, it's just like, it, we got to give him that time. Like, it's not... the The issue right now isn't, I think, the DBs coach. It's the form that the older guys are in. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's where the real problem lies right now, because the older guys are the ones that are playing the most, right? You have 60 year guys that shouldn't be missing one-on-one tackles like that, that we've seen them make year in and year out over the last three, four years. That's where the problem is. It's not a, I don't think it's a development issue, at least not yet. Cause we don't, as I said, we don't know what Trey Watson is going to give us. Like he's got to be given time. To be able to work with these guys. That's my thing. Uh, on the DBs. Yeah, it's well said. I think it's point well taken. It's, you know, it's 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 losing sucks. Yeah. Losing is frustrating. Plus, but plus the, we lost three just, NFL talent DBs. Yeah. That, <laughs> we're not the Alabamas. We're not replacing NFL talent with NFL talent. Like, it's going to take time to replace some of the talent. Maybe some of those guys aren't won't develop into NFL talent guys. But like we can't expect that year in and year out. And I it's it's I don't want to say like we need to lower expectations, but like I, we kind of do. We can't we just can't expect that year in year out. Yeah. Remember and it's yeah, o- good. It's okay. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the trade we made. Right. We we all or at least you and I both said we would trade a little bit of defensive efficiency if we could gain it on the offense. Right. Which we did. Which we did. And so now we just got to get it back. There's no reason why this team can't rattle off four wins in a row. Right. There's no reason why this team can't rattle off four losses, losses in a row. <laughs> like, it's the reality of where we are. But I think you you can't... We went eight and five, right? And everyone's like, oh, Cal's about to make that step. But then we lost talent, right? Yeah. We like... we That after that year is like... We lost a lot of talent. We had a once in a generational player in Evan Weaver. Like he was incredible. Like we were just talking about it. It's like you see the best the best stat line from Sacramento State. And it's like, oh yeah, Evan Weaver doubled that against Pac twelve play every single game. He was incredible. And you also had 
you know, and I think Evan Weaver made up for a lot on our team in, in, in many ways. And, and we're missing coin dang, mm-hmm. you know, shout out coin dang intro on the pod. And that hurts too. So all this to say, like, what are we expecting here? Like you got to take the downs with the ups. So if this is a down because 2020 does not count and 2020 should not count. To me, I'd bet on the future of this team. And it just sort of seems like people don't have the patience for it. Oh, it's year five. It's not. Like, just get it out of your head of what it's supposed to be. Gary Patterson is the perfect example of this. At once TCU moved into that, like into the Big 12. He is the perfect example of this. To me, if you were to ask me right now, all right, as a donor, as a whatever that special donor status I got was, <laughs> that it's come with zero perks that they said there'd be perks. <laughs> if you told me that I needed to, I, I had a choice and I had to either extend Wilcox for the next 10 years. So we'd say 15 years or not. I'd give him the 10. That's just the confidence I have. He understands the game. He understands this program. He looks at it objectively. The only knock against him is he sucks with the media. He cannot answer questions after a game. He's fantastic with the media. Sorry. He sucks at post-game media. Every other time, I think he's great. (laughs) Post-game, he's atrocious. And I think he just competes, man. The dude is a competitor. And like, that's why I want him as my head coach. Like, I want the competitor. Sonny Dykes was fantastic with the media. I love talking to Sonny. He'd look you directly in the eye. He'd give you a really nice answer. You'd feel better about yourself. <laughs> you walk out of the room. Like, he was fantastic with the media. But like, I never got that competitor as much out of Sonny as I do out of Wilcox. Like, Wilcox competes. He wants his team to compete and he wants that team to win. I still think our ceiling is highest right now with Wilcox as as our head coach. And we could literally win one game the rest of the year, and I will be sitting here saying the same thing. I have completely resigned myself to that fact, that if this season goes full upside down, I still have 100% confidence that he's the right person for the program. And that might sound insane, but I cannot in any way justify what you just said earlier which is bringing on another head coach and resetting this program again and taking that risk of becoming wazoo. You hire an (laughs) anti-vaxxer. I think that I think to your point, like the biggest thing is if you have the institutional support and the structure already in place for uh, success in collegiate football, you can make those changes and still sustain yourself. Right. I don't I as as a lot of people said in in the replies we don't have that it's been how can you remind me how many years has it been since uh Carol Christ took on the the stadium debt that was what 2 years ago now about yeah, she did a great right, job which is amazing but that that alone tells you the institutional support that we've been lacking it took how it took 20 what year was that 2012 2013 when we played at AT&T for the whole year. Uh, yeah. 
so yeah, since so since so. then so it's been about 10 years so it took eight years <laughs> before like we had the institutional support of we're going to help you out with some of your debt and you're not going to be trying to keep yourself afloat for so long and so we're trying to build that you know and and also on the like whole wilcox like you know removing thing i think honestly it comes down to two factors one do you have a donor who's gonna come to you and it's like here is the money to fire him and go get a new head coach right do you have that and two people forget coach wilcox was on the search committee when they were looking for a new ad carol chris put him on the search committee with lindsey gottlieb and they found jim yeah. knowlton you think knowlton is gonna fire wilcox after one bad season do you know how bad that would look on his ad resume that he fired the head coach that helped get him hired off of one bad season? Nope. Not happening. Absolutely not. What do, what do the fans think, Rob? What do the fans what think? Do, what do the fans what do they think? think? Let's head to the Twitters. Because, of course, that is the best gauge <laughs> to get a sense of the fans. <laughs> not not just the, whatchamacallit, the... Uh, the comment section on rivals or right for California, which that alone was a total. I didn't even dive into that. I didn't, I didn't need that on my brain. Um, Sid, our dear friend, Sid, she says the thing that was most irritating to me, at least were the penalties. Mm, good point. It was a bit surprising since uh, we have actually been pretty good in the last three games. Also, I actually didn't freak out as much as I thought. I thought we played much better. Sensible. MVP, <laughs> MVP, sensible, <laughs> super sensible. Best. You know what's hilarious is that. Uh, so this other person tweeted at us with this question: Do you think the secondary did better or worse? Uh, what do you think they could still what What do you think they still need to improve on in the next coming games? And parenthesis, by the way, I'm Sid's younger sister. <laughs> no way. Yeah, this is awesome. <laughs> Let's go, Sid's family. <laughs> uh. So what do you think? I, well, my reaction is definitely in line with this. Like, yeah, you can't be mad at it. I, I don't know. You can be mad at it. Trust me. People are mad at that <laughs> game. Uh, I will not allow myself to be mad at that game. I thought we played well. It was fun. Second half defense. My goodness. We're great. We played super well. It was really good. Yeah. Uh, I think bringing, so to address um, Sid's family members question, which I can't remember who it was, but um the secondary I thought played her name's Bailey. We should say it on the air. Hey Bailey. All right, Bailey. So this is what's up. I think that the secondary played much better in the second half. I thought that Drayden came up with a huge play. I thought that the other it was kind of a thing that worked in combination where when we got we sent more at we kind of tried to hurry the quarterback. And anytime that that happened. It helped us defensively. Good things happened. So the good things happened the more times we were able to get pressure on the quarterback. So I think that... And you have to remember, too, like, I thought that whoever was... Was it Nick or Nam or even Trace? I can't remember. But, like, Washington is a powerhouse. The talent they have there is at the level of USC. So... We played great. I don't know. I thought... I thought the secondary played great, man. We were right in that game... We, uh, you know, Bimage had that, I want to highlight him. It's not the secondary, but just like defensively, 
that play where he stood that guy up and then ripped the ball out was just <laughs> awesome. Awesome. And he came up with the fumble. He did it all. All in one play. I was like, dude, get him in the game more often. <laughs> he was so, I was just like, oh, that was a huge play. Yeah, he was uh, He was the highest rated uh, Cal defender on PFF uh, with a run defense rating of 91. I mean, that's if we, that's a Patrick Laird type of find, except he was a four-star recruit, but like, <laughs> you know, he wasn't playing. He just was like, you know, I, I'm in a graduate program at Cal. I think I want to keep playing football. Uh, I think that's a big, big, big find for us. So, but I, I think that it's the play of the linebackers of the D line, the ability to get pressure on the quarterback that then made, you know, the defensive back group be able to be better. Right. Uh, so it, it worked in tandem. They elevated their game. So did everybody else. The outcome of that was a much better performance than we've seen. And really an unfortunate loss at the end of the day. So Sid's reaction entirely is just like, yeah, sometimes you don't win. Yeah. And my boy, Ethan Saunders, with the only sack of the yeah. game and the fumble of the huge. game. Huge. Huge. He was great. Um. Yeah, those are the only uh, comments we got today. But is there anything else we need to talk about this game? I feel like we've the the trends of the conversations have been relatively similar over the last like three weeks, including this week. I'm trying to think of something entirely. Okay, I know what right. it is. Let's talk about Jeremiah Hunter. I called it the awakening, but it's totally inaccurate <laughs> because he's already been awake. <laughs> They, I'm so excited. Let me hear your thoughts. What were your thoughts on Jeremiah Hunter this last game? I mean, I've been saying it for a while, man. I've been saying like Hunter is, is that guy. He's going to be that guy. And he's now turned into that guy. Like now you, I mean, okay. Knock on wood. Nico's fine. Right. Please, please, please. Nico, uh, Jake Tonjus, Damian Moore, please be okay. That is, that is all I ask. Oh, also to Carlos Brooks, who did not play in this game. Um, it said that Coin Dang and to Carlos Brooks did not travel with the team. So also to Carlos, please, please be okay. Um, but besides that, we legit now have four starter quality wide receivers that have been playing. Right. And I'm, that's not a knock on the other guys. I'm just saying, like, in terms of production of what we've seen so far this season, we have legit four guys that we know can start games and be the focal point of a passing offense, which is huge, which is huge. Now guys can't just like look at our lineup and be like, eh, yeah, he's just going to go deep all the time. He's going to go on the, all the underneath routes. He's going to be the possession guy. And then this fourth guy, eh, do we really need to care? But now like when we go five wide, right. Or we go like one back with four wide receivers, you actually have to worry about every single position. You can't you can't cheat off of off of one of them. You just can't. You're not allowed to do that anymore against this Cal offense because we will burn you, and we will take the top off, and we will gain twenty to thirty five yard plays off of you on a single pass. Yeah, I mean you have Kakoa, who played great. I mm -hmm. thought. Then you have Jeremiah Hunter, you have Justin Baker, you have um, Trevin Clark, like Nico, 
Nico, Monroe yeah. Young, like this, the team, the, there's depth at the wide receiver position where you guys, y'all remember Vic Wharton, right? Y'all remember when Vic Warden was our main wide receiver and was literally bottled up every single pass play. It's not that. It's better now. It's way better now. So, I don't know. The Jeremiah Hunter breakout for me, or not breakout, but just sort of his continued arrival over the last few games has been super important in Chase's development as well because Chase has receivers that get separation. Yep. And the the wide the the fade that Chase threw that got intercepted on the sideline, the one you're talking about, dude, Hunter had a step. Yep, he had it. I mean, that's he was open. It wasn't the best throw in the world, but we have that guy. We you look at let's go back to Sunday Night Football. What was Devonte Adams doing with Aaron Rodgers? Back shoulder fade, right? Play was nearly indefensible. What did we try to run against Washington? Back shoulder fade didn't work. But we have a receiver that can do that. And um, gosh, it's so exciting. No one's, no one's upset at the passing game now. That's the thing. Because, because the guys have emerged now, no one is upset at the, at the passing game. For the first time in like three or four uh, years. It's been forever. Probably since 2017, right? I'd say 2017 was like the last time people were okay with is that Davis no, twenty seventeen is Ross Bowers. What? Hell no! <laughs> you were good with the passing game back well, then. We weren't, we weren't okay with his decision making, but we were okay with the production <laughs> we were kind of getting because of the transition, right? Because the year before it was like an air raid offense, and we were trying to go a little bit more like run with play action and, and different styles. So we were okay with it, and then we realized Generous. it wasn't great. <laughs> but the last four years definitely uh, last three years no one's been no one's been happy now people are happy what do you th- what's your take on special teams because there is an argument to be made here that we're in two years of pretty mediocre if not like bad special teams well I thought the kick return probably might make make up for some of it and maybe some of the punt returning. Um, but man, yeah, kicking and holding has been an issue over the last two years. And especially this year, it's even come, come more to light. Right. Granted, man, Dar- Dario like had an opportunity to silence every single critic in the entire damn world. If he had knocked that 55 yarder in and he was damn close to doing it. Um, and we wouldn't have had a we wouldn't have had her heard a squeak about the missed field goal attempt earlier, right? And the and the missed uh, what's it, the muff the muff snap, and all that on the field goal attempt. If he had knocked through that fifty five yarder, it's just the fact that he got close and he didn't make it. And I think it's a viable like concern, but once again, I've never coached football or played, so like I don't know how to. Like I can read articles on that, like and and do all the analysis on offense and defense. I have zero clue on how to gauge like special teams, like progression and efficiency outside of was it a good punt or was it a good kick? Yeah, I think you usually rec- good special teams units are recognized when they're not recognized. Mm-hmm. 
And when you notice them, usually something's wrong. Yep. Rarely are you like, yeah. Offense, defense, I don't know. Lots of questions. But special teams? Yeah, we're dynamite. <laughs> it's just not, not usually the identity of a program. But I do think it's an interesting one because there is it is now more of a trend than it right. is uh, or not it's not just a trend it's more of a I think pattern people, or whatever I think people have some concerns with like punt return coverage and like the ability to move and gain yards on a punt return I think that's a viable uh, or it's a, that's a definite thing that we have a point of concern uh but let me know if you think differently I think the the protection on kicks has gotten significantly better this year like yeah Dude, like the angle of the kick on that 55 yarder needs to be pretty low because you need to get the distance. Like you can't kick it high, which means the the blocking unit actually has to do a decent job of not letting a single guy through even a couple a couple of feet in. Otherwise, they're going to be able to jump and get in on that kicking lane. Um, but they did a good job and he got the kickoff. It was just a little short of power. I thought that was my one critique. You know, he put it a little high. Mm. In college, you need to keep it lower. In the NFL, you're kind of loose, used to seeing that arc. But in college, I think, you know, because the, there's not as much power behind it. It's not just in time. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's oh. that's the thing. He missed a 55-yarder on the in the same week that a 66-yarder was made. So, of course, people are like, come, come on. on. <laughs> Why can't you hit a field goal from your own half? <laughs> you should be able to kick a field goal from your own half. Victory, victory cannon. cannon. I think we've talked enough about Washington. We don't need. Or actually, uh, before we go to the victory cannon, while you're thinking about it, and I'm thinking about it, can I read you a couple of game notes? Mm-hmm. Some just in- interesting facts. Um, Garbers finished 30 of 41 for 319 yards. His fourth career 300 yard passing game, all of which have come on the road. The 30 completions are also a career high. Also, with the seven yard touchdown run uh, by Garbers in the fourth quarter. He recorded his ninth rushing touchdown, which ties Cal's record for the most rushing touchdowns by a quarterback. Dave Penhall and Brian Bedford, Bedford are the all other quarterbacks that also have had nine. Um, Garber's also his one yard pass t- to Jake Tondis was his 40th touchdown pass of his career. He also threw his 41st, which makes him ninth on the Cal's career touchdown passes list. And this was the first overtime game since the Cheez-It Bowl. And I believe the first overtime game in conference play since 2017 against Arizona. And I think that was it. Oh, J- Damian Moore's uh, 26-yard touchdown catch was his first career TD reception. Now, yeah, now has six TDs on the, the sideline. Yep. He's wide open. Well, I hope he's healthy. Same here. I think uh, yeah, Garbers is going to surprise everybody with the amount of rec- gal records that he holds yeah. at the end of it. People are just what? It's going to be pretty shot. Yeah, and he's going to be the all-time rushing quarterback Probably. for yards, even touch, even touchdowns. I think if he gets, he'll get one more by the end of the year. So I think, I mean, dude, just beat Washington State. It's a winnable game. It's at home. We're going to have fans there, and people are going to freak out. Oh, the fan base! It's homecoming. No, fan base will be there. It's going to be a good time. It's 2.30 p.m., perfect timing, middle of a Saturday, October, good mm-hmm. weather, not too hot, not too cold. I mean, this Enjoy is Enjoy yourselves. Let's go get it. All right. Victory cannon time. Andy, you got one? 
Well, it is Hispanic Heritage Month, and I wanted to highlight a book that we were reading at our Ooh. company, which is called The Alchemist. Great book. I think every single, yes, most people mm-hmm. have read it. <laughs> except oh, for really? Me. So I haven't. So I'm really excited to read it and take some time out to reflect on you know what Hispanic Heritage Month means to me. And I think I would encourage everybody to do that. Try to support you know some nonprofits. Tomorrow I'm going to talk about Latina Safe House Foundation, and which is an organization I've supported in the past and uh, does really good work for domestic abuse survivors and um, in the Latin American community. So uh, just you know any way that you can be conscious about you know in the last few days of September here, um, you can go out and support whatever that means to you. Uh, you know. One of my favorite Oakland spots to go to is Nito, which is a authentic family restaurant. And now they have Nito's Backyard, which is probably the best spot, I think, in the East Bay for, you know, margaritas outside and good vibes all around. So uh, there's a lot of different ways to celebrate Hispanic Heritage Month besides just going out to a Mexican <laughs> restaurant. But, um, you know, just wanted to make sure I could highlight that for everybody. That's a good one. Mine's not going to be as good. Mine's going to be more of an entertainment based one. Um, but for those that watch the NFL, if you haven't watched the Manning cast of any Monday night football game, that is the thing to watch. That is the best thing on television right now. In my opinion, once a week, getting the Manning brothers with guests, guests are hit and miss, right? Like last week they had Brett Favre on it and it was like, kind of like your old grandpa who doesn't know how to use zoom. And is the entire time is like, is my mic on? Like, am I muted? Am I on? Like, what are we talking about here? Like, five-second delay between, like, him talking and, like, hearing a question. Um, Mr. Ponton. <laughs> Mr. Ponton. Yeah. It appears you have a filter on. <laughs> exactly that. Exactly that. Um, but, like, usually around the first quarter and, like, the end of the fourth, they don't have anyone on. It's just the two brothers talking. But you learn a lot about the game of football. Like, I was learn before we start recording, it's the Cowboys and Eagles playing right now, and... I was watching, learning how to like discern like a two man, uh, what looks like a two man high, how they disguise it, but it's not a two man high. It's a two man high on one side and the other side is in quarters um, or halves. And uh, they were like telling you how to break it down and how to try and beat it and what quarterbacks do, what routes you need to do, what the DB's assignment is on this specific one, what the corner is, what the safety is supposed to do. And, uh, like I learned a lot. I've learned a lot about football over the last four weeks or three weeks, three weeks um, watching the Manny cast. So it's like fun too. They make jokes about each other. Like Peyton, they talk about Peyton and how long his neck is and how they should have run more uh, goal line QB sneaks for him. Cause all he has to do is kind of lean over and his neck should probably carry the ball over the goal line. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's the best thing on television right now, especially if you're a football fan, you learn a lot and uh, it's good to have that football knowledge. It helps you better analyze games. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go watch that right yeah. now. I believe it's it still, is still on. on. It is still on. Okay. It's on ESPN2 every week or on ESPN+. Plus. So, yeah, it was only supposed to be for a couple of weeks, but I feel like they, uh, the viewership is insane, so they're doing it for the entire season. Yeah. All I've heard is that it's way better. It's than... so much better than the regular <laughs> broadcast. Oh, my God. It's so much better. Think about going to like a bar 
with Eli and Peyton and watching Monday Night Football with them. And they're cracking jokes, but they're also like analyzing football. And every once in a while, like a former Hall of Famer will call them up just to see how they're doing. And you get them on speakerphone. That's exactly what the Manny cast is. And the the big thing that people want right now is they want a Manny cast version of the Ole Miss Tennessee game later this year. Mm. Which would be great. Absolutely great. But that's it. I love that. That was a great pick. It's just what I've been f- having fun watching. But uh, that is it for the California Golden Bear Cast. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Golden Bear Cast. You can find us via email at, at goldenbearcast at gmail.com. You can send in your victory cannons. You can also uh, DM us an audio file of yourself with your takes, whether you're ranting after the game or whatnot. We'll play it on the air. We'll uh, we'll listen to it and we'll uh, we'll use that as our talking points. And of course, you can always Twitter message us uh, anything that has to do with the game after the game, and we'll use that. Sid Bailey, we want audio recordings. I'm pushing audio you recordings. Want, I got like four likes on my tweet about it and no audio, but no one. You said want us one. multimedia? You want to increase the multimedia? Yeah, we don't want to hear our voices anymore. <laughs> Come on. Uh, and yeah, if you're listening to our podcast, you already know where to find us. So that's it. But be sure, be sure to uh, share, like, and subscribe. Let all your friends know. But that's it. And as always, go Bears. Go Bears. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.